So we've been taking words out of the uh, Pledge of Allegiance every week, and this will be the final week for this message because our election is coming on uh, Tuesday, and uh, all that part will be over, and I don't know about you, but I'm ready to talk about something else, amen, than the election. Uh, but uh, whatever happens is going to happen on Tuesday. And we want to end today. One of the ways we're going to end this a little bit different today is I want to end today by praying for our nation, praying for the election on Tuesday, and praying that God's will be done. Amen. None of these messages, these may seem like political messages. You may have thought you were going to get a political message. They're really not political messages as much as they are what is our responsibility in all this? What is our, uh, what is our goal as Christians in all this? And that's for God's will to be done, uh, for, to do, uh, for us to do all we can do, and then pray as hard as we can for the rest of it. Amen. And so I would say if you've not voted yet, the one part you can do is you can go and cast your vote. Amen. And so if you've not done that in the early voting, I want to highly encourage you to go and uh, let your voice be heard on Tuesday, November 3rd. All right. And then that's, that's what we can do. Everything through this, everything we've said is pray, 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 vote, then pray, 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 and pray. Amen. So all you can do action-wise is go and cast your vote and let your voice be heard. And the rest of the time we need to pray. All right. The word we're going to take out of the Pledge of Allegiance today is the word indivisible. Indivisible. And all that simply means is no divisiveness. Now, would you agree with me that uh, right now we live in a pretty divided country? I would say at no time has our country ever been divided more. At no time have we ever seen so much polarization, so much divisiveness. And unfortunately, I'd like to say that that's not true in the church, but I'd be lying, wouldn't I? Uh, it has seeped over into the church. It has seeped over into other believers. Uh, many believers have uh, let their politics get in the way of their relationship with each other. And uh, it has caused divisiveness between believers. It has caused divisiveness in churches. It has caused, uh, you know, even just the issue of uh, COVID-19. Before you get to any of the political stuff, just the issue of COVID-19 has caused many divisive, uh, much divisiveness in our churches. And guess what? The devil loves divisiveness. The devil wants to divide. He knows if he can divide, we become less strong and he can overtake us. Amen. So, you know, COVID came in. Uh, everybody has a different opinion, kind of depending on where you're at in the situation and how exposed you are in the situation and everything going on. And we need to understand that uh, boy, noise is coming from everywhere. Amen. I don't know what that, what that is. Um, but anyway, uh, again, I told you I'm ADD. I can go chase a rabbit real quick. All right. So. Um, all right. I think uh, NASCAR just found its way to 64 there, amen. I am trying not to be distracted, but I'm looking at it, and y'all aren't, amen. And I'm seeing them go flying by there, go about 100 miles an hour. All right, okay, where was I? Yes, indivisible. One of our spiritual enemies' greatest strategies is to divide the body of Christ. When COVID-19 happened, it's like, all right, in the church, and believe me, if you sat in my seat, you'd get every opinion you can get. You're doing too much. You're not doing enough. 
you shutting down, you shouldn't be shutting down. Oh, where you're open, you shouldn't be open. No matter what you do, it's kind of like being the referee at the football game. No matter what you do, half the crowd's always going to hate you. Amen. So, uh, you know, we have done, uh, our position has been from day one is to love and respect each other. Uh, even if you don't agree with the stance that we take, uh, I don't know where your stance is on everything, but we have tried to, uh, again, uh, you know, block off the aisles, uh, provide masks, provide everything that we can for people to be as comfortable as possible. Because no matter where you stand, I love you, I am for you, and I have your best interest at heart. Amen. And so everything that we're called to do is not be divisive, but to love one another. Amen. Now, if you were in Sunday school, I already kind of gave a little bit of a, a preview into this. But uh, the Bible tells us that there is one way that the world will know that we are Christians. There's only one way. Does anybody know what that way is? They'll know that we are Christians by our love. Amen. No other formula given for that. That's how the world outside will look inside and know that we are Christians. Not by how much we take our stand and by, by how bullheaded we are about our stances and everything that's wrong in the world and who we're going to vote for and everything. Most of the world outside of the church looks at the church and says, well, the church is narrow-minded. The church only wants to hear their own voice. They don't want to hear any other voices. The church only wants what it wants. Amen. And the church doesn't love me. If you were asked most people, do you think the local church loves you? No, they wouldn't think that. They would think, unfortunately, what the church has become known for mostly is what we're against. Well, you know, they're against, they're against dancing down there at the Baptist church. Uh, I, I couldn't be a Baptist, amen. I, I love to dance, amen. Uh, they're against drinking. Don't you be drinking and going down there. To church. They're against uh, smoking cigarettes down there. They're against cussing down there. They're against, unfortunately, the, that's what the outside world sees the church is they know everything that we're against, but they don't know very much of what we're for, do they? And we need to be showing them what are we for. We are for eternal life. We are for the kingdom of God. We are for the salvation of their souls. We are for the gospel to be preached. And we need to let them know what we are for. Amen. If we work together, we are an unstoppable force. If we are divided, then we are weak and ineffective. Would you agree with that? So at no time more in history has the church needed to be united. But what have we done? We've fallen right into the same trap of the devil as everybody else has, and we've let it divide us, and we get on Facebook, we get on social media, we might even get face-to-face, -face, and we just want to yell at each other, and we want to disagree with each other, and we just want our voice to be heard. We don't care if your voice is heard. I only want my voice to be heard. And listen, we've got to understand, we need to be united. The church needs to be united. As far as this political uh, landscape right now, all you can do is pray, 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 vote, pray, pray, pray some more. All right? So let's look at our first scripture today, all right? It's in 1 Corinthians 1.10. It says this, Now I plead with you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you all speak the same thing, and that there be what? No divisions among you but that you be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. Okay? So here Paul is saying to the church at Corinth, I need you to all be on the same page. I need that there be no divisions among you. And look what he says at the beginning. I'm pleading with you. I'm imploring you. What does he literally say? I'm literally begging you that you all be on the same page. 
Paul is addressing the same problem we've got still today. I need y'all to get along. Shut up. Quit arguing with each other. Quit arguing about the color of the carpet in the auditorium. Quit arguing about what ply toilet paper's in the, in the uh, restrooms. Quit worrying about this and that and every little minor thing. Quit arguing and fussing and splitting and dividing. I need you to all be on the same page. Does that necessarily mean we all have to agree on everything? No, but it does mean we need to listen to each other, we need to love one another, and we need to make sure we all get on the same page. Amen? So guess what? The same problem we have today in the church, they were having it right back then. Paul was addressing it right there. You're all on different pages. I need you to all get together. What is Paul saying? This does not look good to the outside world. All these non-believers are looking at us, and what do they see? Fussing and fighting and anger and bitterness and divisiveness. They do not need to see that. When the unbelievers look in here, they need to see love, 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 love. Amen? Uh, the word there uh, in that verse that talks about divisions, it comes from the Greek word. The Greek word that was used there was the uh, word schisma, which means a split or a ripping or a tearing apart. Now, I don't know how many of you are old school, many of you are, are uh, older, been in church a long time. How many of you have been part of a church that had a church split? If you've been in church much time at all, you have probably been in the middle of a church that had a church split. Now, it's sad, but this is what, again, we become known for. Churches become known as, oh, well, you know, that church, that came out of that church, and that church split with that church, and they, that, that went over there, and that's how that started. And we become known more for the negative things uh, in our history than the positive things, amen? But that's literally what this division means. Do not let things split you apart. Do not let things rip apart your fellowship. Do not let things tear apart your fellowship, amen? We need to all be on the same page. Now listen, I as the preacher, you might expect that I would say, everything comes out of my mouth, you all have to agree with it. No, that's craziness. Uh, you're never going to agree 100% with everybody. I'm, I would tell you as a preacher, I don't necessarily need you to agree with everything I say. Now, do I need you to agree with everything that comes out of the Word of God? Yes. Do I need you to agree with everything that comes out comes from the Lord? Yes. But... I, sometimes my opinion will seep in. Sometimes I have an opinion on this or an opinion on the way this ought to be done. And listen, you don't necessarily have to agree with that. In fact, I would dare say probably eventually if you stay here any length of time, there's going to be something to say, I don't necessarily agree with the way you handled that, Brother Mark. And guess what? That's okay. Amen? I love you. That's okay. You don't have to agree with everything that I think or the way that it ought to be done. Amen. But on the majors, we do need to be together. We need to all be on the same page for sharing the gospel. We need to all be on the same page that the only way uh, to the Father is through the Son, Jesus Christ, that he is the way, the truth, and the life, and that no man's going to get to the Father except through the Son. All right? Uh, that is, those are the main points that we need to be on the same page about. All right? Um, so let's see how Jesus prayed this. Now, I told my Sunday school class this morning, if you want to know how to be a better Christian, get you a Bible. Uh, you remember, uh, some of you may have one. The, the Bible that says red letter edition. Anybody got one of those? All right. So you take, get you a Bible that says red letter edition and go to the Gospels of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John and don't do anything but just read the red letters. What are the red letters? Anybody know? The words of Jesus. Amen. And so if you want to know how to be a better Christian and be, to how to live more like Jesus, just go through the Gospels and don't do anything but just read the red letters. 
and read what Jesus said and look how Jesus acted and look how Jesus handled everything. If we just did that and we all started looking more like Jesus, it would change everything, wouldn't it? We would, that's just a small part of the Bible. But if we were to do just that and take it the example of Jesus Christ, it would be amazing how it would change our lives. All right? So let's look at the words of Jesus. Go to John chapter 17, verses 20 through 23. And this, these are the words of Jesus. These are red letters. And this is what Jesus prayed. I do not pray for these alone, but also for those who will believe in me through their word that they all may be one, hello, as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that you sent me. And the glory which you gave me, I have given them, that they may be one just as we are one. That's a whole lot of reference to one, right? All right, uh, just as we are one. Uh... Where did I leave off at? Oh, did you already go on the next one? Go back. Yeah. Verse 22. Yeah. That they may be one just as we are one. All right. I can kind of go on now. In them and you and me, that they may be made perfect in one and that the world may know that you have sent me and have loved them as you have loved me. All right. So what is the main thing? How will they know that we are one? Did you catch it? Love. Love, love, love. All right? Is it by how staunch we are on our stances? No. Is it by how perfect we live to the letter of the law? Is it by how holy we look on the outside? Is that how the world's going to know that we are in him? No. They're going to know it by love, 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 and love. Amen? Listen. I need to love you. The Bible says I'm to love you this way, that I am to treat you as more important than myself. Now, I don't know about you, but that's a tall order. I'm just going to confess to you. I love myself. I like myself. I like to take care of my needs, and I like to be comfortable. And so for me to live my life and treat you as more important than myself, that's not human nature, is it? That is a godly nature. So guess what I need to do? I need to love you beyond myself even. I need to have sympathy and empathy for you. I need to live my life and say, you know what? If Danny's going through something and Danny is going through a struggle in his life, then I need to go to Danny and I need to let, hear Danny pour out his heart to me. And then I need to love Danny enough to empathize with him. Listen, uh, I told, again, I'm kind of repeating some of the stuff I said in Sunday school. But when you have a person who uh, someone dies uh, or something tragic happens. Uh, as the preacher, that's a big part of my job sometimes. And I find many people say, well, I, I don't like to go to the hospital. I don't want to see people when they're sick. I don't like to go to the funeral home because I sure don't want to be around people that are dead or be around those kind of situations. And listen, and, one of the, and I say, why? And the, usually the reason is, well, I don't know what to say. And I say, don't say anything. In fact, if I would say anything, my own advice that I do is I try to say as little as possible. Because, you know, when somebody's grieving and somebody's hurting, they don't need to hear great philosophical, wonderful things out of your mouth. They just need to know Mark is here, Mark loves me, and Mark is present with me. And Mark is going to cry with me, and he's going to be here for me. 
that's all they'll remember. They will not remember a word you said. They will remember, you know what? They're, the verse that says that we are to cry with those who cry, we're to mourn with those who mourn, we are to weep with those who weep. That's what people remember. Just be present. Don't try to think of something super spiritual to say. Don't try to think of something super philosophical to say. Just be there for somebody. And usually if I open my mouth, I'm going to prove how stupid I am. If I keep my mouth shut, I seem pretty smart even if I'm not. Amen? So it's a good thing to just sometimes keep your mouth shut and just go with people. And again, I'm picking on Danny, but I'm uh, sorry, Danny, you wore that red shirt today. So I see you over there. So, uh, you know, but if Danny is hurting, then I need to go be with Danny. And my job is not to say something deep spiritual for him. My job is to mourn with him and weep with him and love on him. Amen. That is my job. And when people see that, it touches something in them. Not when they see me ranting and raving on what you shouldn't be doing and what all this stuff. Uh, it's when I love people. They'll know we are Christians by our love. So let's look. We're going to cover some things. What will unify the church? All right. So the number one thing is to understand that we have one enemy. Only one. Many people think they got to pick a whole lot of battles. You do not have to pick a whole lot of battles. You and I have one enemy, and that is the devil, Satan. And the reason for all the trouble in your life is because of the devil. The enemy is not your spouse. You may not like them right now. You may not like the things that come out of their mouth. But can I tell you, the enemy is not your spouse. Can I tell you, this is a church. All the churches down the street that way and all the churches down the street that way, they are not our enemies. We are all on the same team. We're all trying to accomplish the same thing. The church that worships down the street different than us, maybe they do things a little different. They get a little wilder than we get. They're a little more demonstrative than we get. That is not the enemy. You have one enemy. When you fight, you are only fighting one enemy. We don't need to be divided against each other. We don't need to be griping about all the churches and what they do. We need to be doing uh, what we do, and we need to understand we have one enemy, all right? The church down the street is not the enemy. The different style of worship is not the enemy. The person who votes differently from you is not the enemy. Hello. The person who thinks differently than you is not your enemy. Maybe you have short hair. And I don't like them people got that long hair. Them people with long hair, they ain't your enemy. Maybe you got long hair and you think them people with the short hair are the enemy. Them people with the short hair ain't the enemy. Amen? Well, them people that ride them motorcycles and got them tattoos all over their body, that's the enemy. Amen? That is not the enemy. Amen? The enemy is not people that look different than you, act different than you. Uh, the enemy is not people of different skin color than you. Amen? The enemy is not any of those things. We have one enemy, and his name is the devil, Satan. He is a liar. He is the great deceiver. He is the father of lies. Amen. So we need to understand that. All right. Um, uh, go ahead and put that slide up. One enemy, devil, father of lies, great deceiver. He is known as many different things. And uh, John 10, 10, we've said it in here many times before that the enemy seeks to steal, kill, and destroy. Look at the things he wants to steal, kill, and destroy. He wants to steal our unity. He wants to kill our churches and he's doing a pretty good job, right? And he wants to destroy our witness. 
Now, how does he do all that? He does all that through the back door. He doesn't do it through the front door. He gets us divided and arguing with each other over things we think are really important, and they're not really important at all, and we end up fighting inside with each other, and the world looks at us and says, those Christians ain't got no, nothing different than us. They ain't got no answers. Why would I want to go in the church house? They're fighting more than we're fighting out here. So it becomes, we end up destroying our witness, thinking we're taking stand over things that are just almighty important, and they're not. And all they're doing is dividing us, and all it does is destroy our witness to everybody, every unbeliever, and everybody that looks on the inside. Everybody looks from the outside to the inside, all right? So we have one enemy. And the next thing is that, number two, we have one mission, one mission, all right? Uh, the scripture for this is Matthew chapter 28, verse 19. We probably all know it. We need to probably all have it memorized. This is your mission. Your mission is not to judge, condemn, be the judge, jury, and executioner for everybody's life. My job is not to uh, find everything wrong in your life until you better clean it up before you ever come into the church. My job is to do this one thing right here. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Across the board, that is our mission. We are to be spreading the gospel. Amen. And so we need to understand we have one mission to help people know the life-giving love and the grace of Jesus. But sadly, again, what are we known for today? People outside the church only know what we're against. We're against all these things. We don't like all these things. And I'm here to tell you, we need them to know us for what we are for. What are we for? We are for the life-giving blood and the life-giving grace and mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ. We are for the free gift of salvation that he offers to anyone and everyone. And I'm a rotten, stinking sinner. You're a rotten, stinking sinner. And we all need Jesus. I'm not here to tell you I'm better than you. I'm here to tell you I'm messed up. You're messed up. I need Jesus. And I can help you find Jesus too. That's our mission. Amen. So we need to understand that, all right? The Bible gave us one example only, and it is by our love, all right? John chapter 13, uh, verses 34 and 35. It says, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. As I have loved you, that you also love one another. And by this, all will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. All right. Can I tell you this? I don't know what your feelings are toward me, but I love you. Amen. Let me look at y'all as I say that. I love y'all. Amen. Amen. I'm trying to get all the way around the room here. I love y'all. I love y'all. I love y'all. Amen. Now, I don't know what your feelings are about that. You may say, he's crazy. He don't love us. Listen, we are to love one another by these verses in the same way that Christ loved us. How did Christ love you? Even before you ever knew Jesus, even before you ever gave your heart and life to Jesus, it says here that God loved you so much. Did you know that your sins were paid for long before you ever gave God a second thought? Long before you ever came to Jesus, your sins had already been paid for. Your sins had already been paid for on that cross. Jesus had already spilled his blood. That's why you'll hear me say from time to time, I can unequivocally say everybody in this room, your sins have been paid for. But what's the difference? Some have accepted that free gift of salvation and others have not. 
but unequivocally across the board, every sin in this room is paid for. It's been paid for by the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Amen. We should not, um, we should be the most compassionate, grace-filled, loving, and generous people in the world. All right. Next scripture is Romans chapter 15, verses 5 through 7. It says this, Now may the God of patience and comfort grant you to be like-minded towards one another according to Christ. Every one of these verses is about, I need you to be like-minded. I need you all to be on the same page. Amen. Now, I've talked with many here after Sunday school. We talked, I talked with several. Uh, again, many of you have been part of churches that have had church splits, divisiveness, uh, those old business meetings on Wednesday night where people started yelling and chunking things at each other. Remember some of those? Amen. I've seen some of the nastiest, meanest things I've ever seen inside of church buildings. That's sad, isn't it? I said, is that what we are to be known for? But you don't know. I was right, and I should have. I was just yelling at them because I was right, and they were wrong. Doesn't matter. None of that matters. Doesn't matter who's right, who's wrong. Doesn't matter who's taking the stand. What matters is people were looking, and they said, see them people down there at the church yelling, cussing each other. They ain't got nothing. They ain't got. What did we just do? We just ruined our witness to the entire community. Amen. And it's happened time. And time and time and time again. All right. Uh, let's see here. How do you accept people who are different from you? Now I'm going to go around the room here. Brother Rusty, you got a nice beard there, amen? <laughs> now, that's a man's beard, amen? This is a boy's beard right here, amen? That's a man's beard. But now, Rusty, he looks a little bit different from me, amen? But, uh, but I, I love him, amen? I love him. Me and Brother Rusty, we, I, we probably don't think the same thing the same way on everything, but I'm here to tell you, I love him, and uh, wherever we disagree, we can agree to disagree. Uh, I love him just the way he is. Amen? Amen? All right. Uh, let me go around the room here. Now, Miss Tracy, Miss Tracy, she's a lovely lady. Amen? And she is lovely on the inside and outside. Miss Tracy is, has a different skin color than I have. Amen. But I love Miss Tracy. Uh, we, we may be different. Our culture may be different. Uh, the way she was raised and the way I was raised, maybe I, I don't know any of that. But I do know this. She loves Jesus. I love Jesus. She is my sister in the Lord. And none of the rest of that matters. Amen. Amen. Uh, amen. All right. Brother Ken, he's naughty back there. Amen. Brother Ken is, uh, and Brother Ken, you served in the Navy, was that right? Served in the Navy. I never served a day in the military in my life. You know, uh, Brother Ken, his, his, uh, he was sharing with me his testimony uh, the other day, and his testimony is radically different from my testimony, amen? But guess what? We may be different, but we are the same. He loves Jesus. I love Jesus. Amen. We are different, but we are the same. Amen. And so, uh, and I already used uh, Greg earlier today in Sunday school, but you know, Greg, he likes to ride a motorcycle and he's got some tattoos and he's uh, done some of that stuff. I've never done that stuff. Don't have any tattoos. I'm afraid of needles. Amen. I don't know that I'll ever have a tattoo. Amen. But that doesn't matter. None of that matters because Greg and I, we both, he loves Jesus. I love Jesus. We are brothers in the Lord. So it has nothing to do with what 
I look like, what my background is, even though we are all different. How do I love people who are not the same as me? Now, let's face it. Now, some of you, you, we need to realize there are some people that we don't mind witnessing to and sharing the love of Jesus, but then we see some people, and they are rough and tumble people, and we go, "Uh, I don't know that I want to go talking about Jesus to them people because we're scared, and that's okay. But guess what? The roughest, toughest person you can think of, sometimes that's the person who needs to hear about Jesus the worst. And we need to get over our fear, and we don't need to be hung up on what they look like or what they're wearing or how long their hair is or how many tattoos cover their body or how many piercings they got. That person needs Jesus just as much as I need Jesus, just as much as the clean-cut American over there. The clean-cut American is probably more of a hellion than the one with all the tattoos. Amen? It has nothing to do with what's on the inside of the heart. Amen. And we are to love one another. And I'm here to tell you, we need to get over our fears sometimes and go, you know what? I need to go looking for the roughest, toughest, most ornery person I can find. And I need to share the love of Jesus. Because I'm here to guarantee you this. If that person gets saved, they'll be a stronger Christian than any of us in this room. Amen. From whom much is forgiven. Much is required. You find those, uh, those guys that have been rough and tumble, and they end up getting saved. Uh, many of you old-timer landmarks remember a guy named Cecil Schroeder. And uh, Cecil had been a bad guy in his day, amen? And he ended up getting saved, and he rode motorcycles. He was tatted all over his body. In fact, his uh, crowning uh, glory tattoo was a self-portrait of him on his Harley from the base of his neck to the base of his tail end, and it was him flipping the bird to the world, amen? And uh, Cecil Schroeder, one of his most famous accomplishments was he had hijacked TWA Airlines back in the 60s, amen? And so this was a bad guy, but he got saved, and he got radically saved, and he said, you know what? I can't do a lot, but I can go reach other guys like me. I know how to talk to those guys. And he went and started the biker church in Oklahoma City and uh, went in bikers all over the world. And I'm here to tell you, you get some of those old biker uh, dudes and gals uh, saved, man, they become the strongest witnesses for anybody, amen? So we can't. We got to get over our fears. We got to get over our differences. Uh, you and I may be totally different. I can go over to Mexico or uh, Brazil, I can go to another country, and those people have a totally different culture than me, but guess what? I can share the love of Jesus, and those people get saved the exact same way I got saved over here in America, amen? And so, whatever differences there are, we become together, all right? All right. So, we accept others just like Christ accepted us. The Bible says this, in that while we were yet sinners... Christ died for us. So you need to love people. Somebody said this morning, love people where they're at. I need to love people in their sin. Listen, if you have the attitude, well, I can't come to church. And I know some people have said this. I've got a spouse or I've got a boyfriend or a girlfriend. And they think they've got to get their life cleaned up before they can come in those doors. I'm here to tell you, go back and tell them, Brother Mark Trammell said, you come just like you are. You come with everything that's wrong with you because Jesus will clean you up from the inside out. You, don't, you will never accomplish cleaning yourself up on the outside to look good enough to come in here because Jesus cleans from the inside out. Amen. So all sinners are welcome. All people who do not have their life together are welcome and come and meet our Savior. Amen. So. Put the last slide up there, brother, or second to the last slide. Second to the last one, I'm sorry. We are, uh, we are in a war. 
go back to yeah, we're in a war. Now here I am. Here's my here's the only political part of this message. We are in a war. It ain't the left versus the right. I know right now, in this time and place, right now in America, that's what it seems like the war is. The left versus the right. The Republicans versus the Democrats. The liberals versus the conservatives. That is not the war. Whoever your side is, the other side is not the enemy. Satan is the enemy. He wants to divide our country. He wants to divide the church. He wants to divide people. All right. The enemy is not the left or the right, but the kingdom of God versus the kingdom of darkness. Amen. That is where the war is. Jesus said, do you see, do you go back and look at Jesus and find Jesus taking any political stand? Jesus. And do you think that during Jesus time that it was uh, a favorable political system? No. It was not favorable towards Christians. It was not favorable towards, it was a pretty corrupt system. And you, you, you go all through those gospels, all those red letter editions and the words of Jesus. And he never really said anything about it. He never made a political statement. In fact, the only, about the closest he comes is they go to him and said, Caesar's putting this tax on us. What do we do? And Jesus simply replied, render to Caesar what's Caesar's and go out there and catch that fish and it'll be in his mouth. I'll take care of that. That'll be taken care of. But you render to Caesar what Caesar's. And Jesus really didn't take a stance on any of that. Uh, he was in a political system of the day that was a Roman system, and it was not favorable towards Christians. But Jesus literally said, that's not what I'm about. Jesus said one thing. I'm about the kingdom of God. This right here, this world right here, this is the kingdom of darkness. And it's going to burn up and it's going to pass away. He said, I'm here for the kingdom of God. And that's all I'm about. Amen. So uh, go to the next slide. The love of Jesus overcomes hatred. The love of Jesus overcomes prejudice. And the love of Jesus overcomes racism. Amen. The love of Jesus will c cover all of that. The power of Jesus can break the chains of addiction. Amen. Many of the problems that we have in our system today are related because uh, drugs are so prevalent and addictions are so prevalent. And the power of Jesus can break those chains of addiction. And the grace of Jesus can help you to forgive people and help heal your broken relationships. Many people are stagnant with God because they can't ever get their relationship with God right and their relationship with others. And you know what the Bible says? The Bible says, if you're not right with your brother and sister, leave your offering, get up from the altar, and go and make it right. Don't even bring, don't even come to this altar until you go to that brother or sister and you get it right. The grace of, well, Brother Mark, you don't understand. You don't understand what they did to me. You don't understand how they hurt me. doesn't matter. Jesus forgave you in your brokenness. Jesus forgave you when you rejected him, and that is how you are to forgive. Amen? So get it right. Get it right with us. I know many, many Christians who are just stuck in their walk with God because they can't forgive somebody or they can't forgive a situation. And listen, if you want to get unstuck, then go and make that right. Do your part. You can't control the other person, but you can do your part and say, I ask for forgiveness. All right. Miss Julie, come on up here. So the very last thing I come back around to, I've said it for four weeks and I'll say it the last time here. Last slide, if you would, brother. What can I do? Pray, 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 vote, pray, pray, pray. All right. So if you would bow your head and close your eyes. If you were to say right now, <clears throat> Brother Mark, I am not sure of my relationship with the Lord.
I always want to give you an opportunity to recommit yourself or commit yourself for the very first time. The Bible says that Jesus is as close as a prayer away. That if you ask him into your heart, he comes and lives inside of your heart. So if you would say, I'm not sure what my relationship with the Lord is right now. I'm stuck and I don't know. Then just pray to the Lord. Give it to the Lord. I want to invite you to pray this prayer with me. And just pray it in your heart, in your mind, in your spirit. Just say, Dear Jesus, I admit that I'm a sinner. Right now, the best way I know how, I ask you to forgive me of my sins. Jesus, I believe you died on the cross for my sins. And I just want to live my life for you. So I give myself to you completely. In Jesus' name. Every head bowed, every eye closed. You prayed that prayer today for the first time or the second time or the hundredth time recommitting yourself. Doesn't matter. Would you just lift up a hand? All right. So according to that testimony, everybody in this room is a blood-bought believer. So here's kind of how I wanted to end today. Because I think the world is tired of hearing us talk. Look at me for a second, then we're going to pray to end this thing. The world is tired of hearing our Jesus talk. They want to see a Jesus walk. But I'm here to tell you, the world is tired of us talking. We do a lot of talking, and we do a lot of posing, but we don't. a lot of times the walk is not matching the talk. And they're a lot more interested in looking at our walk and seeing if it backs up what we say. So I'm here to tell you today, I want to pray for our country. What we've been saying is we need to pray for one another. So I want us today, and maybe not everybody can do this today, but the verse says this, if my people, which are called by my name, shall what? Humble themselves. So if you're able, what I want, how I want to end today is I want to ask you, in honor of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, in honor of what he's done, I want you to bow on your knee. Now, if you're not able to do that, I certainly understand. But I'm going to ask everyone who's able to, if you will end today by getting on one knee. And we are going to humble ourselves before our Lord and Savior, our King of Kings, and our Lord of Lords. And here's what we're going to do today. We're going to cry out, and we're going to ask the Lord that he would be in control of this election, that he would be in control of our country, that he would be in control of our leaders. Now, again, why, why are we doing this on our knee? Again, because I believe that's a sign of humility. It's a sign of just giving ourselves and saying, Lord, I bow my knee to you. And, Lord, we admit today we're not in control. The person who sits in the White House is not in control. Um, Congress is not in control. The Senate is not in control. There is one that is in control, and he sits on the throne alone, and that is our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So I want to pray today. And uh, this is how we're going to end today. So if you would, bow with me and let's pray. Lord, we love you today. And God, we just tell you today, we need you. We need you to be in charge of our country. We need you to be in charge of our world, Father God. And Lord, however you see fit to do that, whether whether we agree with the outcome or not, God, it doesn't really matter. What matters is that you're in control. So we pray today, God, on Tuesday, November the 3rd, For our country, Lord, would you be in control? Uh, Lord, may your will, 
on earth be done as it is in heaven, God. We want you to be in total control. We want you to put in charge who's in charge because, Lord, we know ultimately they're not really in charge. You are. And we know that you have a plan. And I don't know if that plan includes our country getting uh, better or not, God. But regardless, it's your plan. And so, God, we just submit to you. We submit to your authority today. And we say, God, would the outcome be what you want it to be, God? We pray for our country. Would you turn us back towards you? Would you turn this country, Lord? Would you bring a great revival to the United States of America? And let it begin with us. Let it begin with this little group of people right here in this building today. And, Lord, we just ask you today, let revival fire come, God. And so, Lord, we ask you to set up things as to your plan. And, Lord, we pray that you put in control and power who you want to give it to, Lord. And, God, I just pray that you give us the strength uh, to, uh, God, to just follow and, God, just to do what you've called us to do. May we be about our mission. May we understand that we have one enemy, that is the devil, and we understand that he is a liar. So we pray against him today. And, God, may your will be done uh, this Tuesday. And, God, may we just... Uh, whoever ends up in the White House, God, whoever wins up, ends up in the uh, positions, uh, God, of authority, may we just pray for our leaders. May we pray that, God, you would guide their hearts and you would guide their decisions. And, God, more than anything, may we just live a life poured out to you no matter what happens in the future. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, Amen. Amen.